welcome to episode 127 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I sneak into Midgard to look for patterns, paper airplanes, and Apple's favorite apps. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's a fun time of the year. We're getting into that after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, prepping for the holiday season. All this stuff's out on display, and Apple Arcade has stuff for us to play still. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's, it seems like a never-ending supply of games on Apple Arcade, and then then we got new Apple TV shows over the weekend. So, yeah, it's it's a good time for using an Apple device. And Apple loves to have year-end awards at the beginning of December because screw everything else that might come out over the next few weeks. And so they announced <laughs> their app and games of the year for the iPhone, the iPad, the Mac, and the Apple TV, plus the Apple Arcade game of the year. So. Since we already mentioned Apple Arcade game of the or itself, the game of the year is Sayonara Wild Hearts, which that was expected just how much they've been pumping the advertising for it. But I completely disagree on it being the best game on Apple Arcade. Yeah, I, it depends on how you I don't know how they chose this, because this one did not work well on all of the supported platforms where I would think the game of the year really has to work well on any of their supported platforms to be the game of the year. Yeah. And so Sinar Wild Hearts is kind of frustrating on the iPad. You kind of want to use that third party controller. And that was the case for a lot of the games that they highlighted. It's like. They're not necessarily made for touch, but you're picking games where touch is the distinguisher of your platform. Right. I mean, if they look at these games, these are the type of games that you would see on PC and other platforms. And of course, they're going to applaud them because they're winning awards on other platforms as well. And they want to have the platform they want you to be playing these games on. So why wouldn't they highlight them as well? These would easily be high priced games if they weren't on Apple Arcade. They'd be high ticketed, uh, full price apps if they release any other way. So I, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of a tough decision. I enjoyed it once I finally found the, the, the right me- mix of controller, device, etc. And then I, I enjoyed the game. But there were games I enjoyed a lot more than this. Yeah. Overland, Over the Alps, Jenny LeClue, Mini Motorways. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Grindstone, Card of Darkness. What else we got? Pretty much every game on Apple Arcade other than the second uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> there were a few real stinkers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's their pick. Sign our Wild Hearts for Apple Arcade. We'll talk about more Apple Arcade games later in the show, but then, of course, there's the picks for the other platforms. So iPhone Game of the Year is Sky. Children of the Light, which is just code word for... We had this at our showing off whatever new device we had, and it was a big partnership for us, so we have to give them some kind of kickback. Yeah, yeah. this was the game, if you <laughs> listen to the show, I couldn't even get this thing to run. Like, it wouldn't even run on my iPad. So I I really had never even played it, but it really didn't look all that great to it's me. It's super boring. And, I can confirm yeah. that. <laughs> it's kind of like one of the games we'll talk about later in the show, actually. and then there's the ipad game of the year which was hyperlight drifter we talked about that a few months ago when it launched and 
I honestly do not remember playing this game. That's how memorable of an experience it was. That one I really enjoyed. So this one, I actually would agree that it, I don't know if it was my favorite iPad game of the year, but it was definitely one that I played a lot of and enjoyed. And it was uh, I liked how it was the variable setup. Every time you came in, the, the map was slightly different and you had that roguelike element to it where you wanted to come back and keep on playing. And so this one, I I will say that I I play through I, I can't remember i might even finish this uh and this one i would definitely still recommend I, I apple doesn't always get it completely wrong so this one is definitely worth your time i don't know i think you need to have a more memorable game this one it felt like you needed a third-party controller to play it too uh I would say parts of it felt like you did, but I did, I ended up playing through. I, I yeah, this one I think I did finish the entire thing, and I was able. There were a few sections where I felt like yeah, it would have been useful to have a third party controller, but then once I adjusted the controls, it was fine. Well, just to kind of emphasize, Apple has a section on the games tab that says play with controllers. It turns out that Gris, Sky Children of the Light, and Hyperlife Drifter are all featured in this section. There's about 20 games, and three are the picks for best games of the year for respective platforms. That's yeah, it's stuff. interesting that they would push stuff that is best played with controllers when the vast majority of their devices are touch-based. And so basically at that point, you're just using it as a screen and a CPU, and you're not taking advantage of the native part of the platform that makes it so unique. So you might as well play it on any. Like at that point, really is Apple a better platform for it than anything else if you're playing with a controller? You might as well be playing on a console or a... PC, it's really only the portability of having your device that you can just set up on it, like in its stand, and then look at it as like a portable screen. It really makes no difference at that point. Not only that, but it also is dismissive to developers who made their games touch specific. I would highlight those developers because they specifically made a game for iOS. It might even be exclusive for iOS or touch based. And they designed the whole control scheme around it, not ported it from somewhere else and threw it onto iOS. That's not one of the best iOS games of the year. Sorry. See, unfortunately, I, I would agree with you, but I know from past picks of my favorite games of the year, they were ports from consoles I specifically and PCs. drop ports down on my list whenever I'm ranking them. Yeah, because so I'm, mine, I'm playing I, a port. I'm going to play it on my Xbox. If I want portability, I'm going to play it on the Switch. I'm not playing it on an iOS device. See, I, I like playing it because I have my phone, and now I have this giant screened iPad that I like playing it on there. It if has I, to if work, I can. though. Yes, it does have to work. I do not like sitting with this screen separate and then trying to use a controller. At that point, I might as well be playing on a big screen like my TV. So that I agree. But if it they take the time to make touch controls work and feel like it was made for touch, then I then I agree that it, it works well. Like uh Party Hard Go, uh that works so well with touch controls, and yet it was a port, and I 
pretty sure that was one of, if not my game of the year that year they came out, it was high on the list. But they took the time to make it work well with touch controls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely could see that. But just looking at Apple Arcade, I'm going to say many motorways. If I look at non-Apple Arcade games, The Gardens Between comes to mind. So does like yep. Path of Giants and just various touch-specific games. Yep, yep. I don't know. But, so that's... Oh, and then on the Apple TV game of the year is Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap, which probably was the worst touch controls I've ever used on any iOS game. But this is their Apple TV pick, so they're specifically picking a game where you need a controller. But even then, it doesn't really change the platformer genre. It doesn't really do anything different than millions of games you've played before. So I don't get this pick either. Yeah, th- this one I didn't. I I hated it on the iPad. The controls were absolutely horrendously bad. And I, yeah, that was my first thought when I saw they picked it for the Apple TV. I'm like, oh, okay, you've picked it for a platform where you need a some sort of controller that you're not playing with uh, the touch controls that were horrible on this one. Uh, again, like if you start to just look over this list too, these are premium paid titles. These are not anything that was a free-to-play thing. They Even though they tout those and put those out all the time, these are all premium paid titles that they picked for all of their top picks. And you know that Sayonara would have been a paid title had it released separately. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that even they know that the quality comes from these paid titles, not the cheap shovelware that they put out there with all the microtransactions and all the other crap going on yep and then on the app side of things iphone app of the year is spectre camera it comes from the makers of halide camera and it has really neat feature sets i didn't get a chance to use it but if you need the problem is i just use the stock camera app it really hasn't let me down yet so i haven't looked elsewhere yeah i don't really usually it's stuff that I just want to quickly point and click shoot and be done. Like I don't set up amazing like shots. I know you do some of that stuff with your, with the pops and everything, but most of mine is just, I'm out watching my daughter play various sports or both of them play very, various sports. And I'm just taking shots. So if there's something that would approve those shots, I'll go for it. But otherwise it's just the stock camera. It's the easiest thing to pick up and use. So I have not tried this yet either. Yeah, this... I did use the Halide camera, though. I remember using that. It was pretty decent. Yeah, this one focuses on long exposure shots where that's very contemplative. You have to plan your shot out, the location, the time of day, all that stuff. So this is very specific use cases as well. Yep. And then for the iPad, they have Flow by Moleskin, and it's essentially a note-taking app that is powered by the Apple Pencil. So if you don't have an Apple Pencil, this app isn't going to be of much use to you. But I understand Apple wanting to highlight an app that does entice you to get the (laughs) Apple Pencil. Yes, yeah, so spend another hundred plus dollars on our new Apple Pencil because your old Apple Pencil doesn't work on this new iPad. So now you need to buy the new Apple Pencil. Yep. And then we have the Mac app of the year's Affinity Publisher. So in case you had $50 burning a hole in your pocket, well, you can now have the most advanced professional publishing software available <coughs> on your Mac for 50 And it's cheap, $35 on the iPad. Yeah, so this, I, I mean, I don't know how much the uh, Adobe 
license costs for all that stuff because I'm guessing this kind of goes directly, competes directly against them. Where I don't know, maybe you are someone who'd rather just pay 50 bucks and one and done rather than a license thing where you pay every year uh, subscription base. Like it goes back to that. Do you want to just pay and be done paying, or do you go in for the subscription, which we've talked about ad nauseum uh, on here before, but. I guess that at least that gives you choices. Yep. And then for the Apple TV app of the year, we have the Explorers. And this looks a lot like Lonely Planet, where it's curated travel guides with great photography. Yeah, it looks pretty nice. I have not tried this either. I'm not going to sit on my Apple TV and look at travel photos, to be completely honest. No. <laughs> no, that's what the screensaver is for. <laughs> yes, because those screensaver footages are outstanding. Yes. <laughs> and Apple also hosted their music thing, Apple Music Awards or whatever, and they picked who you would expect with Billie Eilish and Lil Nas, Old Town Road and all that. It's fun stuff. So if you're a music fan, it's pretty much the most popular and boring picks you could imagine, because that's what Apple is. They're popular and boring. But they get some really cool looking awards, though. They're yes. like some giant silicone discs, uh, silicon discs. And I don't know if you get to choose if you want silver, space gray, or rose gold <laughs> for the background on that thing. It, I, it'd be I like pretty nice if gold. you did get to choose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good looking award. I kind of just want to see if one of these awards show up on eBay. I'll just take the award. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess they're going to live stream a concert tomorrow when this podcast is going up um uh they'll be live streaming at 6 30 p.m pacific time uh and you'll be able to watch billy eilish sing i don't know how much the performance like one or two songs or... i believe so i believe that's oh, a so live Wednesday, stream december 4th the... mark your calendar 6 30 p.m pacific you can see the cool awards and then see her perform and so that's pretty much the Apple News of the Week. They're doing their year-end summary on December 3rd or December 4th. So if you go out with anything else the rest of the year, like now the movies are just ramping up for Oscar time and Apple's like, yeah, we're done for 2019. Yeah, it seems so ridiculous that they cut off so early because it just, why would anyone, I unless they were working on something that got delayed and they want to get out before the new year, it seems like there's less incentive, especially if you have something that's going to earn Apple a ton of money, uh, to put it out now and not just wait and have it come closer to when they select these awards because they don't seem to go back that far unless they're honoring super old apps from like four, five, six years ago, still honoring them as like best of 2019. But Otherwise, I don't know. It seems kind of like it really takes away from the stuff coming out now. Yeah, and it seems like January to March, there were some really good games. That was like before we got into what we knew about the Apple Arcade. It was like the last hurrah of stuff. And I don't see any mention of those games for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's kind of a shame. We do get to highlight the top downloaded you know, paid and free items. And awesomely, Mario Kart Tour, most downloaded game on iOS in 2019. And when you talk about amazing, you do not include Mario Kart Tour. So deserving. <laughs> so deserving. <laughs> oh, my God. One of the worst games ever, regardless of name, creator, publisher, 
It's just a horrible game in every single respect of gaming. The only thing that was good about it was that you get the awesome sounds that you're used to hearing while playing the actual console version. Otherwise, it was so painfully bad. To have it all stuck in portrait mode just made no sense. I It was just so bad. Yeah, it was one of the best ads I've ever come across, though, so I do give them credit for that because it wanted to wanted me or inspired me to want to get it on the switch oh see i already had it i already yeah. had it that was a launch title for me well then it when pushes I, you over to play on thing. the switch yeah yeah because yeah, you're like oh wait this is a good game isn't it <laughs> but not here i'll go play it on the switch yep and then on a uh, facetune is still the top on paid apps or free apps it it is oh no paid apps facetune came out like 10 years ago there's a Facetune well, they, too. Yeah, there was a Facetune too. They they forced you to rebuy it uh, when they relaunched it as Facetune two. Crazy. And then on the iPad you have Roblox, and then you have some .io games because those .io games are hot. One game we actually talked about that's on the top list is Color Bump 3D, and that as long as you turn off Wi-Fi or any kind of cellular service, turn on airplane mode. There we go. I knew I'd figure it out. Then it doesn't have ads, and you can just play the game fully, and it's a pretty good game. It's quite enjoyable if you turn off the ads, because then you can just play, play, play. Some of these, I can see how they're addictive, and people do play them, and that's why they end up becoming these most popular apps. But these are by no means good games. Like, if you have a description of an actual well-developed game, these are just stupid experiences that people just are use as time wasters and they don't care like they don't want something deep they just want something to just quickly play and to do oftentimes while they're driving unfortunately <laughs> uh and so you need something that's kind of mindless but i would not classify these by any means as good games yeah and then you have the the paid games, Minecraft is still number one, somehow, some way. And then even Geometry Dash and Plague Inc., those have been out for years as well. So no new paid games to crack that list throughout the whole year. Well, what's I so I saw one list, and it's kind of odd, because you see some of these games that weren't in the top list have a resurgence and make it back in. Like Exploding Kittens put out, that's a, a card game, they put out a digital version, I think a little over a year ago, maybe even two years ago at this point. Didn't really take off, it was never really in the top list. All of a sudden I saw it pop into the bottom of the top paid list, and it's got this resurgence because I think people are finding the card game, and now they're going ahead and buying the digital version as well because they want to play it offline or with uh, other friends that are online. And so it's kind of weird how some of these things find an audience years later and just start racking up the downloads. Even the paid titles. Yeah. And then if you look at actual downloads, Apple also split up Apple Arcade titles based on popularity. So you can see which games in the Apple Arcade people are downloading most. And Oceanhorn 2 is number one, and that's probably because it was adver- it was in every single advertisement for Apple Arcade. And people are like, oh, that's the game that looks like Zelda. It's an easy selling point. It creates a connection in people's minds. And honestly, I was disappointed by Oceanhorn 2, even though the first Oceanhorn is absolutely amazing, just because Oceanhorn 2 doesn't really change much beyond the graphics. 
But I think maybe there were people that didn't purchase the first one because it was a paid app, and now they're getting it for free as part of their Apple Arcade subscription. And I think if you hadn't played the other one, then this is your first experience with it, then yeah, you're like super pumped about it. Same with uh, Cat Quest. I mean, Cat Quest 2 is kind of a similar boat, where maybe you didn't want to pay for the original, and now you're getting the sequel for free. In essence, you're paying for the arcade, but uh, and now you're just discovering this now because you're one of these people that only plays free games and doesn't want to shell out money for them. And then luckily, Sonic Racing was number two, because if you thought Mario Kart (laughs) Tour was bad, Sega's like, don't worry, we have an alternative that is equally bad. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you look through this list as a whole. People really want a kart racer on iOS and companies just can't deliver one. There was a decent one. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Beach Buggy Racing? Yeah, I it couldn't actually get into was, that one. It was too... That it, one, it wasn't as frenzied as I'd like for a kart racer. It wasn't, but it had a lot of the elements of Mario Kart, and it was allowed to play in widescreen, uh, and so it was already a, a plus on in my book. I, I didn't play the sequel. They put out a second one, but I haven't tried that. But you look over this list of titles for their... 2019 top Apple Arcade games, and the vast majorities are launch titles because I think they've just actually they all are. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. And so I think it's just probably because they've been on the App Store the longest that people were downloading these. I don't know if this is based on time spent or downloads or or how they calculate the time spent would be an awesome chart because once you average it out, it doesn't matter if it came out last week or three months ago. Right, right. Especially if they're ones that fall off, and then someone. I mean, I guess if you're someone that has one of you have a really short experience of a game, you're never going to be in this list. But some of these longer titles that people stick with them and play through them from start to finish, like Ocean Horn or Cat Quest, then they're going to be raking in the numbers as long as they can keep people on them for. for and you can see which ones could actually maintain people's attention. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of various lists. One list that Apple did not include was top streaming services of 2019 because Disney Plus would be at the top and <laughs> Apple TV Plus probably wouldn't make the list. But that's yeah, a previous yeah, discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time for some more Apple Arcade games. And I think these are all launch titles, which we actually haven't even still got to. They're different from that whole top <laughs> down. None of these are on that top download list, are they? Uh, yes, they are. One of them is. One is. The first one we're going to talk about, right? Oh, no. I not. believe so. No. <laughs> a tone is the one we're going to start with. And it's not okay. on the top downloaded list. So if you haven't heard of it, it's a tone Heart of the Wild. And this game has that trying to or want to be sword and sorcery design aesthetic. And then you get into the game and it's this whole kind of top-down exploration adventure RPG idea where you're talking to people and you learn more about your society and your given circumstances and then crazy things happen one night and now it starts the adventure but as you get into this game i always thought it was going to just be like an action rpg sword slashing kind of game and it turns out it's just like a series of mini games as to like proceed through the action yeah yeah it was i thought it was going to be a, a 
straightforward RPG as well. And then all of a sudden you get into a thing and it's a rhythm game. Yeah. And I'm like, what? This is a rhythm <laughs> game? And then then later on there's puzzles. And now you got to like do order of operations to like hit these things in the right order. And if you don't, then you got to restart them. And so it's, yeah, it's a mix of rhythm, puzzle, and exploration game all in one. I love the art style. The story is almost a little overwhelming, but there's these long cutscenes, which are actually really well done. Voice acting, fantastic. Animation, fantastic. Story is good there. It's the spots where you now have to read all of this kind of Viking Norse the way they the cadence of the writing and the words they use they really go all out and to really set like the time period and and it just is almost too much to to consume and read that it just overwhelmed me at that point but the other cutscenes and everything else i enjoyed quite a bit yeah the everything's well produced i just had the problem like you of the the overbearing text that you have to get through that's written purposely annoying, but also just the gameplay. I couldn't really care to be engaged with it. It was so, I don't know if it was my expectations going in. I don't know if I don't care about mini games when I'm in this whole adventure scope of ideas. I don't know if I'd rather just play the game minute, but whatever the case, I just couldn't hook up with the tone. Yeah, so the problem is I, I had with the, the rhythm part of it. It's been a while since I played a good rhythm game is this they used it for the combat. So you go into the combat mode and all of a sudden you'll be in a fight and it'll the music will start playing. Music is great. And then you'll see these columns of the things you gotta tap on and they'll kind of go wide and then come back in. And the only problem I had was it felt like I didn't wasn't paying attention to anything else on the screen except for those bars. So I couldn't even tell what was going on with my character in this fight. I'm just focused on trying to do the rhythm. And then if you mess up even once, it seems to reset it back to like the very first color stage. And I don't fully even understand what was going on. But I think I took damage because you could see blood on the screen when I missed things. But then if you, it started out white and then it went to yellow if you're doing well. And I never made it past the yellow stage. But I never really knew if it was just all for nothing because you always seem to lose the battle no matter what. And I didn't know if that's just because I was bad at the rhythm or if that was if I was going to lose no matter how well I did or I don't know. It was just kind of this ambiguity there that I didn't really fully know what I was going to get out of this like actual fighting part. And so it took me away from seeing what was going on the screen. It was kind of cool to have a rhythm game. But it just felt weird. It didn't. It kind of disjointed from the rest of the game. Like they didn't have a rhythm in their in their culture. Like this wasn't part of their culture. That I felt like they explained that this is why you're rhythm fighting. But it just seemed didn't seem to fit with the rest of the story. And I do want to give credit for the core rhythm gameplay. I found it better than Sinar Wild Hearts from just pure connection between where i'm tapping and the notes that are being played but it's so disjointed with the overarching structure of the game and like you said you're focused so much on that part of the screen you miss the cool fighting parts of an actual like rpg game so it, it just is this weird mix of game design and development that 
like I said, for me personally, I just couldn't even be engaged with. But even if I was, I don't feel like I can't, like anyone should really long term be like, oh, I can't wait till the next rhythm based sequence for my combat as I then go between all these <laughs> text sequences. It just seems weird. Yeah, I mean, the word, the text sequences, too, they went on like you could wander around and you could just get these one or two liners. Uh, sometimes you end up having conversations. We actually made choices, which I didn't even under, fully understand. First time, like, oh, wait a minute, I get to choose one of these. And then that's going to be the one I choose. How that affects the story overall, it was unclear if it really makes that much of a difference, depending on the choices you make. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. At least that kept me engaged in the actual text rather than just wanting to tap, tap, tap away and try to get through it as quickly as possible. You could skip the cutscenes, which I actually enjoyed those. I didn't want to skip those. I wish I could skip the text, but, uh, I guess you kind of had to sort of know what was going on, but the cutscenes did a pretty good job explaining stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm on the fence if I'll play more of this. It it seems like it's going to be insanely time consuming, which to me, that's kind of a gate uh, to to uh, like a huge hurdle to go through for a lot of these games. I just don't have the time. Uh, but I don't know. I guess time will tell. I'll report back if I play more. Yeah, I, I I'm out. <laughs> I can say that <laughs> definitively. <laughs> I do like that they had the yellow markers on various people to talk to if it preceded the storyline versus all of the white markers. So you're like, okay, I know this one's actually going give me somewhere because you could get lost without those yellow indicators. But yes, that was super nice. All I could say positively. Yes, I, I completely agree. Those yellow markers to help you know exactly where you need to like progress the story. Because yeah, you're right. There's so many people and so many of those little dots. Like, where do I go next? And then all of a sudden you see, oh wait, there's a yellow one. That must be the one I need to go to. And so that was super helpful. Yep. So that's the tone, heart of the wild. Next up is Sneaky Sasquatch, which is number fifteen on the top downloaded Apple Arcade games. We haven't yet talked about it. And at first glance, this game looks super cute. It looks charming. Oh, this is going to be fun. You get into the game and it's like, I don't know what happened to all of that cute, charming fun because it seems like every single day played out exactly the same. And right when I'm getting somewhere, it's nighttime and the stupid Sasquatch has to go back to bed. I don't know. So (laughs) this one had me at the moment when you've picked up a a, uh, ketchup bottle and you go to eat. So all of a sudden you see this awesome Sasquatch hand goes dragging into the screen as you drag over to grab the the ketchup bottle. And I started laughing hysterically. And then you start eating the ketchup and you don't just like pour it in your mouth. You just start chewing the ketchup bottle and it breaks into pieces and you're getting ketchup all over your face. I assume it's ketchup and not blood from all the glass bottle, but I'll go with ketchup. And I was dying laughing and my daughter was next to me. We were like practically in tears laughing at this. And I really am enjoying this. There's so much to do. I mean, yes, there is. It's super repetitive that you have to keep going back home every night to sleep. You can buy this map really early on that gives you a quick jump to the home. They really need to add more spots on the map to do quick jump. So you're not having to. I know you're supposed to be sneaking and walking around and walking around helps you find other things to do. 
But still, there needs to be ways to jump around this this area because it gets pretty big as you start to move out forward throughout the map. And the it, to be able to quickly jump to areas, especially if you know what you want to do, like there's items you can buy to fish and do and dig and find treasure and do other things, and you know you've seen these things before, and you just want to get to them. But then you start to get lost in the whole, wait, where did I see that bear? Which bear was that that I need to talk to? Because I know he wanted fish, but where is he? And just be able to jump to certain points would help tremendously. Uh, to to be able to speed up the gameplay a little bit rather than constantly having to walk around every single day uh, to the same location, same spots. Yeah, there's so many fun potential things to do. But once you start walking around, it seems like as soon as I get somewhere, it's like sunset practically. And I'm like, well, I've just spent my whole day walking around to try to stupidly get food or do the eating sequence. The eating sequence is fun, like you mentioned, but... After the first couple times, that gets tired really fast just on the sheer pacing of it and the overall structure of the game. I spent so much time in this game doing nothing. Like, the worst part about Fortnite is when you're just running from the storm circle. And somehow they've made a whole game with a Sasquatch of just, like, running against the sun and the diminishing daylight. <laughs> Yeah, so they just need to find a way to allow you to move faster throughout the thing, and I think that would eliminate a lot of that, because there are all kinds of things for you to do. I mean, and you know, you start to find things, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I remember seeing such and such item in the shop, and that's going to help me kind of solve that problem and get the those items that I need. So it's a lot of this experience exploration and piecing things together and there's almost like a puzzly element to it and there's like mini, sort of mini games because this fox will ask you to do certain uh tasks for him and so i i like i thought you and i talked about this and i hadn't tried it yet and i knew your feelings on it and i was going into it expecting me underwhelmed and I was actually really pleasantly surprised and spent way more time than I ever expected playing this game like I I am really enjoying it to the point where my daughter had already downloaded it and played it before I did and she is so eager to tell me about parts of it that I haven't gotten to yet and I'm like no 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 I want to play I want to play and otherwise if it was something I didn't care about I'm like ah, go ahead just tell me just tell me I don't even care I'm not gonna get to it uh, but this, I, I want to find these things. I, I mean, I know from the screenshots, eventually I can play golf. I can go skiing. There even looks like a mini a go-kart race at some point. I did so the go-kart race. I'm, ex I'm excited. I'm, like, this was really, I had low expectations, but I was really pleasantly surprised. I played it launch week, and then I played it this past week, and it sucked both times. The core structure of the game <laughs> goes against everything that it should be because they designed the game about exploration and finding cool things to do but you get so frustrated in the tediousness of it that you start moving faster but the core idea it's the first word in the title is sneaky and if you start running around everybody finds you the ranger is on your tail but you're only running around because you've been so bored with the inane <laughs> process of everything it just it's always opposite of what it needs to be Either make it a game where I'm full blast doing all kinds of cool stuff as a Sasquatch. Sasquatch skiing, golfing, and race car, hilarious. Sneaking around stupidly and having somebody kind of see you or not or going in the bushes and wasting daylight because you have to be stealth about it, 
it just takes me out of the whole experience. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know where you're coming from because there are a lot of that, especially where you is so as you spread out, you have so far you need to go before you get to something or the something you want to do. And if you've run, yeah, you're going to all of a sudden now have a squad of rangers all after you. And and then if they catch you, then you got to go back. So it's yeah, it's Even if the day just lasted a little longer. That would help me. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, especially once you, I mean, you don't notice it at first because you're not going very far. And then as you really start to expand out, yeah, the day seems to end so quickly and you're just jumping back home to sleep uh, before you get in trouble. So I love the design of it, but I just feel like the core idea of exploration and stealth don't work. Yeah, I I mean, I I think it would be better if you didn't have to be stealthy all the time. If there were certain times you had to try to be stealthy. Even if jump points, like you said, like in Thimbleweed Park, you can jump across that huge, expansive map, and it changes the whole game. The ability to jump home is great, but you need the ability to then jump back out. Right, right. Yeah, if they, I think that would solve a huge amount of the uh-huh. problems. If because they already have stuff marked on the map, anyways, just let you like tap on other things on the map to jump around. Use make it use a food if you if you move. If they really want to make it so that you have to collect food and things, make it so every time you jump on the map, it uses one piece of food for them to do it, and then uh, go ahead. That that solves the problem. I hope they're listening because. That would make a much better experience. But as it stands, I'm out. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. And this one, I know I'm going to play more. I'm still in. And so next up is Patterned, which is a puzzle game that harkens back to the classic jigsaw puzzle, but changes it up just because there's oddly shaped pieces. It's almost Tetris style pieces. And then there's so many subtle little details in these patterns that you're creating. It's essentially there's artistic wallpapers that you're piecing together with, you know, there's the plus sign or there's the L shape and all these different pieces that you have to specifically find. And these there's not like obvious places to build. It's not overarching shapes. They're little subtle patterns like you would see on wallpaper or wrapping paper or something like that. And you're piecing them together slowly but surely just because it even gets down to these really they're one block pieces or two block pieces. So there's a bunch of potential places they can go. I was working on the rainforest one with a few parrots and toucans. And that probably took me a half hour just because it's not that big (laughs) of an area, but you have to try everything. And there's these little subtle variations in the thing you're putting together. But I didn't get frustrated just because I love the soundtrack. It's amazing to kind of zone out and zen with. Like we've talked about some zen games. But this might be the best Zen puzzle game I've come across. Yeah, this one, it's, I didn't know what to expect when I started. The thing I really love about it is, yeah, it has that jigsaw kind of feel to it. But the way it's set up is this is a repeating pattern. So like, wallpaper is a, a, great, a great kind of description, description to it. So 
you are focused only on one little central area of this repeating pattern. So when you're dragging these pieces on, you might look and see something outside of the little area where you're dragging the pieces into. You're like, oh, that looks like the piece I'm trying to get. And so what the the area where you're dragging onto is all in black and white. It's just all like the line drawing of the pattern. And you're dragging on the colorized versions of these. And so as you're building out the pattern, it's everywhere that little spot that you're dragging on appears, that all gets colored in. So you might see part of this pattern and you know where it goes, but then you have to think of how it wraps around because maybe the section you're looking at right now isn't part of the square where you're allowed to drag the pieces into. It might be maybe not over on the left side, but actually wrapped around over on the right side. So now you really have to put this over on the right side. And so you may be looking in the wrong place, but know exactly the piece you need to place, but you can't put it down because it's outside of the, the play area. And so there's a lot of that where you kind of start just piecing things together. You can scroll up and down on the piece list and find the pieces that are easiest to place. I found that the app is toughest when you have a really light uh, puzzle. So it kind of really, the coloring is almost really subtle. So you can't use that as the best guide of exactly where to put the pieces down because even some of the colored in pieces may still look like they're not colored in. And so I found those to be the absolute toughest of them uh, out of all the puzzles. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing. But just there's so many different puzzles, too. I mean, it's a long scrolling list. So there's all kinds of different ways you can explore and try it. But just give this one a try. It's not going to be super fast action game, but it also doesn't make you jump back to go sleep before you move on to the next area of the puzzle sequences. <laughs> you don't have to go through long, dumb dialogue that's written in a purposely obstinate language so you can just focus on every puzzle you jump around to whichever ones you want it's not like you have to go into a specific order you see a little icon of what it's going to be and you're like oh this looks neat there's a peacock here or here's an ice cream parlor or here's a little like uh, old school postage stamp map and you can just jump into these various ones and there's and how many puzzles are there? This is a long scrolling list of puzzles. There's over 100. Yeah. Yeah, it's over 100, and they're constantly adding them because they're getting money from people paying to, for Apple Arcade. So there, there's incentive there for them to keep on updating it. I mean, this comes from Borderleap, who did all the Harmony games, mm -hmm. and so they're, they're familiar with these puzzle games, but this feels like a classic like jigsaw style game but with this little twist of that whole repeating pattern it just ends up being a really neat interesting puzzle game like it's perfectly zen i played it on the ipad uh this giant 12.9 inch ipad i don't know how difficult it would be on like a on just a smaller phone it's probably gonna be difficult more difficult to match things uh but it was quite nice to just sit there on the couch uh, and just mindlessly, yeah, that music, I had the music cranking uh, and just mindlessly just 
drag in all the largest pieces first and then find the small, almost like you would do the corner pieces on a, a jigsaw puzzle. You find the big tent pole pieces you can really find and put them out first. And then that helps you build out the other ones. And yeah, it's just a very pleasurable experience. And there's so many jigsaw puzzle apps where they've tried to shoehorn the physical board game or the physical idea into an iPad. And it's always like really hard to do. This is specifically made for the iPad. They make sure the entirety of the board is available on screen. The pieces are off to a menu on the right, so they're not cluttering the screen. And you can just focus on one piece at a time and actually find that match. And it's still challenging. You know, a board game, you're starting from scratch. You have an empty table and you have the picture on the box. With this, you see the whole pattern, but it's grayed out as this sketch. And it subtly comes to life as you put pieces in together. But it's also tough to wrap your mind around how this black and white grayscale is going to be this colorful fluorescent rainforest. Yeah, and then there's even like at the end this repeating pattern. You can save this as a as a wallpaper if you I want yeah. for your device, <laughs> and and then you, the parts of some of them I know at least the the slots in space was animated at the end. I can't remember if they were all animated. I don't think they all were. No, a few of them were, um, yeah, and so that was kind of cute. Uh, and but if you do want an actual just jigsaw puzzle app, Ravensburger Puzzle the best one out there Mm -hmm. that one is the closest to actually doing jigsaws but if you're a fan of jigsaw puzzles and want something a little different and subscribe to apple arcade or maybe you want to do a free trial patterned is the way to go it really is it's the best puzzle game on apple arcade there's not there's probably less than five but it's easily the best for (laughs) me it's my standout for the games we're talking about this week yeah, I, this one, I th- again, my daughter saw me playing it, and she immediately wanted to download this. Uh, so she started, actually, she has a phone. I should see with her how, how bad it is when she was playing it. But then again, she plays Minecraft on that phone. I don't know how you play Minecraft on a little tiny phone. But yeah, I guess to each their own. So that's <laughs> patterned. And then to round out the week is Life Slide, which is a paper airplane flying game. So last week we talked about Red Out Space Assault. And that's a 3D space shooter. And so this is kind of like the even keel, zen-like version of that, where you have the flying idea, but we take out all the enemies and the fire and all that stuff, and we just focus on a little paper airplane flying through the distance. You can use tilt or touch controls. Be sure to kind of adjust the sensitivity to be higher if you're using those tilt controls, especially on a big iPad, and then recalibrate your device so you can actually control it. But... The game itself, there's not that much to it. It's flying. Like, the paper airplane does a lot by itself. And there's as you go, you realize there's the usual paper airplane momentum where you have to rise up and then let it drop to kind of build speed so it just doesn't run out of speed and crash into the ground. But there's really not much to it. I watched the trailer. I looked at the screenshots. It looked like there was it was either going to be more pacing, more challenges. Like, there was the Frisbee game for iOS a few years ago. I loved that Frisbee game. It had this path where you had to collect coins and stars and go through hoops and do all kinds of stuff. This doesn't really have anything in it. 
Yeah, no, this was like too zen. Like it was so boring. Like there was nothing to do. You, you you're just flying through almost nothing. Eventually, after you make it through this super long tutorial, then you get to go into like a, a world where you're picking up these little crystals, or I don't even know exactly what they are. You fly, have to fly into them, but the different colored ones do different things. So the yellow gives you more time. I avoided the yellow ones. I didn't want more time. Uh, then they had blue uh, that gave you, I think, money that you could then buy upgrades for the plane. Uh, and maybe that I looked at the upgrades. I tried to buy them before I had any money and it, they were all super expensive. It seemed like this uh, could have easily been yet another game. There was a free-to-play game with all of these, with how high the number of crystals you had to collect to unlock any of this stuff or do any of the even simple upgrades. It seemed ridiculous. I'm trying to find the name of... Uh, there's an actual much better airplane game that we play on the Apple TV where you actually get to pick up rubber bands like paper clips and fire other things and knock down things so much more entertaining to actually be able to do stuff while you're flying around. Not this. This is just flying around for the sake of flying around, and it just gets boring really fast. Yeah, Frisbee Forever is the one that I thought of. That one's a really fun flying game. That's what When I first glanced at this, I was like, oh, this is going to be like that Frisbee game, but with the paper airplane. It, it's not that at all. Yeah, so Air Wings is the game I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. And that game is so much better than this. Do yourself a favor and get Air Wings rather than get this. I, I'm not, it's showing just the cloud with the download, so I don't know if it's free. It's I think free it was free and had in app. Yeah, it's a pen. Yeah, game. okay. Yeah, so that game is so much better than this. This is just not even worth your time. So that's a pretty good Apple Arcade spotlight. I think that's a pretty good episode 127. Yeah, that's all I got. Be sure to pick up Apple Arcade at this point. We've been talking about it for every week since September 19th. Hopefully you have it by now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you, like on Black Friday or Cyber Monday or today, I guess it was Cyber Tuesday, and a couple of emails I got. Hopefully you got some deals in iTunes credit because there were some good deals out there. Eighty dollar card for hundred, a uh, hundred dollar card for eighty bucks, a uh, fifty dollar card for forty bucks, and then buy cards and then you'll get discounts on top of the the normal price of four ninety nine. It'll be even less, so you won't even pay as much. But definitely try it out if you haven't tried the free trial. Subscribe if you did, and uh, lots of games. Yep, be sure to follow us at AppAdvice and at AppAddictNet for updates throughout the week. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.